Welcome to Excel Radio with Dr. Nick Zarowski, where we talk with world-class entrepreneurs, executives, and health experts who have unlocked the secrets to Excel Health and performance. Hi, and welcome to Excel Radio. This is your host, Dr. Nick Zarowski. In this episode, I bring on Wade Lightheart, and we have many great conversations about gut health. We talk about all the different factors that play a huge role into whether your gastrointestinal system is either healthy or unhealthy. Some of these topics include the microbiome, enzymes, probiotics, leaky gut, and all the different essential topics that are necessary in order to uncover gut problems and discover really high-quality gut health. I hope you enjoy the show. All right, Wade, thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, really great to be here, Dr. Nick. Uh, I'm excited to dive into a couple topics. Yeah, I know we got we got some exciting uh, topics on the horizon, One, ones that we haven't really discussed in a while here um, on XL Radio. Now, uh, if you could, just give a brief description of who you are and what you do to our listeners. Sure, I'll try and make a long story really uh, short. Basically, um, you know, my background, I was a born a Canadian, grew up in the northern cold climates, and uh, three interesting things happened to me when I was 15. Number one, uh, my parents moved to a very rural place, five miles to my nearest neighbor. And uh, at the same time, my sister was diagnosed with cancer. And I watched her go through the medical model for four years before she died. So that had a, a strong impact on me and made me want to get into health. And then the third thing that happened was that I was given a magazine from her that had a picture of a bodybuilder on it and pretty girls. And at 15 years old, I thought, wow, boy, I better get some muscles. So they didn't have any. So that started me on a journey to take up bodybuilding, studied exercise physiology, sports nutrition. And uh, 16 years later, I wound up representing my country at the Mr. Universe contest. And uh, what was which led to which interesting enough led to a, a personal crisis, which will lead to the topics that we're talking about today. Okay, so two things. Uh, for one, it's very interesting because your bodybuilding career was all done using a vegetarian diet, correct? Yeah. So it was a transition. So what happened is uh, I competed for my first. It took me ten. I didn't have great genetics or anything like that. So. It took me 10 years to win my first show. I went to my first national championships in 1998, and then I realized that you know that was primarily a drug culture, and uh, I went on a little bit of a tangent. I went out and got into meditation and kind of developed a spiritual philosophy and the, experimented with vegetarianism and, and uh, eventually made a comeback as you know an all-natural bodybuilder and practicing these principles. and. And the thing was, is when I went to the Mr. Universe in 2003, I was trying to apply those principles, kind of a meat-eating mentality, if you will, not to, and I don't have any, it doesn't matter to me if someone eats meat or doesn't eat meat, that's just a personal preference that, that, that makes no difference from the way I look at uh, health and nutrition. But uh, at that contest, in 2003, what most people don't know, I went to the Mr. Universe and then literally uh, 11 weeks later, I, gained, I had gained 42 pounds of fat and water. The Leading up to that contest, I was tired. I had brain fog. I had a lot of pain in my body. Um, it was a really painful process, and most people in the bodybuilding community just accept that. But when I had that physical meltdown after that contest, I said, wow, there's really something I'm missing. And fortunately, I met a doctor, and he said, Wade uh, – I said I went to him and I said, hey, what, what did I do wrong? And I, I don't understand. I had the best coach. I had the, the best training. I'm following these diets. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. What happened? He goes, you learned to build the body from the outside in. 
you haven't learned how to body build the body from the inside out. So what does that look like building a body from the inside out then? Well, what I recognized and what he helped me identify is that over the course of my athletic career, which was primarily focused on performance, and I want to categorize for people, we often assume that if a person is extremely fit, that they're healthy. If we look at, we kind of hero worship, you know, professional sports athletes and so on and so forth, and we think, oh, well, they're automatically healthy or maybe uh, actors with great physiques. Well, no, they might have fit, they might have a low body fat percentage, but that oftentimes they've compromised their health in order to achieve that. And so what I learned is that there were a lot of different things that I hadn't learned in nutrition and I hadn't learned from my exercise career or my, my sports career that were an elements to health. And the number one thing was digestion. The reason I got into so much problem was because I wasn't taking care of my digestion and that the diet that I was leading to kind of leads to where everybody eventually goes, which is some sort of digestive disorder that ultimately leads to some sort of disease state later on. And I got really passionate about it. And I was able to apply a series of practices and principles that was able to not only rebuild my uh, external health, but it was able to rebuild my physical health. Four years later, I came back, uh, went to the world championships again, felt way better, didn't have the blow up, didn't have the problems after. And after that, I began teaching this message and I have been for the last 10 years around the world. Very good. Okay. So uh, what was this personal crisis that you had mentioned that really led you down the path you're on today? Well, that was the that was right after the Mr. Universe. So you can imagine I'm preparing for nine and a half months on a restrictive diet, uh, training four and a half hours a day, you know, running a business, running a life and all that stuff. And then at, at that contest, uh, after that contest, I gained 42 pounds of okay. fat and water in 11 weeks. That's like a sack of potatoes <laughs> yeah. added to your body. That, that's yeah. that's a lot of yeah. That's a lot of weight in 11 weeks. It's it was it was shocking. Uh, and you know, I had all the edema. I had acid reflux. You know, I had uh, various degrees of constipation. I had an incredible amount of stomach bloat. Uh, all these things that you would expect that someone's happening in their 50s or 60s or 70s, I'm having it literally in my early 30s. And I was like, this, this how is this possible? And uh, fortunately, I was able to turn it around. Very good. What I want to do is switch to the topic of digestion. You mentioned it a little bit um, just you know, in your story. It's a topic that I'm really passionate about, and really it's a topic that's on the forefront of health right now because we're realizing um, that most diseases and most chronic conditions, has a, it has a digestive component to it. But also the other thing that um, is really on the forefront right now too is that the uh, number one disease and considered to be one of the future number one killers of millennials is going to be gastrointestinal cancer. So let's go ahead and talk about um, digestion and, and I want to hear your thoughts on it. Well, you know, it's really interesting. We've all heard the old uh, saying, you are what you eat. I think you've heard that. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. But the reality is, is that's not necessarily the case. You are what you absorb and utilize, not necessarily what you eat. And there's kind of an assumption 
whatever diet practice a person is following that you just eat it and you get energy or whatever. But if you actually start breaking down what really happens with digestion, if it's okay with you, I'll just do a quick overview on layman's terms of the digestive process and then we can kind of identify where people run into challenge. Yeah, I think that'd be great. That way we can have a understanding of how it works and um, and uh, it'll really shed a lot of light on the uh, details of um, our discussion later on. So let's first understand that everybody is made up of individual cells. So our bodies are, you know, a trillion cells or whatever. There's a lot of debate about how many cells there are. But the point of the matter is, is your digestive system is a single canal from your mouth to your anus. And the food goes through that, but that's not necessarily, it's, it's in your body, but it's not in your cells. The conversion of that food has to go through a process to convert from, you know, whatever you had for dinner into something that is utilizable either as a building block or as a, an energy source for the body. And so it starts off with chewing and we chew and then your body releases a little bit of uh, pitalin and stuff that starts breaking down carbohydrates. The food goes into the what's called the, down the esophagus and up the uh, to the upper cardiac portion of the stomach. And you've got maybe 30 to 60 minutes there. And at that point, digestive enzymes now become added to the mix and HCL will come in at about 30 to 60 minutes after hydrochloric acid in that chime. Uh, you know, the food will break down and then it'll you get peristaltic contraction and then it exits the stomach and minerals are added to that. Your body adds minerals so that the stomach acid doesn't burn your, inte your intestines and then it goes into the intestinal tract. And this is where the final phase of absorption and utilization of your food happens. Now, the problem or the, where people start running into problems uh, is multiple fold. First and foremost, humans are the only species on the planet that cooks their food. All other animals on the planet eat their food in a raw state. So if I'm a tiger and I'm hunting zebras, I eat the zebra, I consume, you know, I kill the zebra. And I, if you watch, uh, you watch animals, they actually eat the entrails first. And what's in the entrails, that's where most of the enzymes and most of the probiotics are going to be. Uh, inside that inside that uh, animal they consume. If I'm a horse, I'm going to eat grass or a cow. I'm going to eat grass and I'm going to consume it. And, and those the grass is going to have enzymes and probiotics probably on top of bacteria cultures. Yeah. And these things are essential to our life. The only two things that really do work in the body are enzymes, which are catalysts, and probiotics, which are kind of like intelligent bags of enzymes that go around and, and perform specific functions in the body. This is a huge, huge component because as humans, and, and I'm not here to say that, hey, and I've done a raw food diet uh, for two years. I experimented with a raw food diet, and there's, there's advantages and limitations to that. I'm not telling everybody to go out and start a raw food diet. What I'm here to say is we have to recognize the advantages that we gained from you know, cooking and storing and, and our food as a society, as human beings – has had some distinct advantages, but there are also some disadvantages to it, and that is we need to produce more digestive enzymes from our body, and that has a huge metabolic cost. And according to Dr. Edward Howe, um, who wrote a book called Enzyme Nutrition years ago, it was found in the Harvard Medical Libraries by a, a physician friend of mine, uh, Dr. Victoria Kavinskas, and inside that book, he outlines that the average 40-year-old has about 30% of the enzyme potential that a young child might have. That's interesting. So think of, yeah. Yeah. 
So, so think about that. Enzymes, um, they're they're involved in every single process in our body, thinking to blinking. There's, you know, there's over twenty five thousand different enzymatic reactions inside the body, and they're discovering more every day. So the question is, if you're spending all of your enzymatic capacity to digest your food, how are you able to perform these other functions that we might want to do, whether it's healing our body, whether it's running down the street chasing our kids, whether it's ha having more cognitive power in order to think through the, you know, the challenges that inevitably come with living. Okay, gotcha. So this is a huge factor to understand. So a lot of people say, well, Wade, I don't know if I should take enzymes. Is it going to mess up my enzymatic capacity? There's a lot of evidence to say that our bodies they started to make enzymes in order in order to to deal with modern society in order to deal with the developments of the way we store and prepare our food here in the modern world as opposed to when we were you know you know some lower form of what we are today i guess so well let, let me ask you let me yeah, ask you this do, do you take enzymes yourself on a regular basis yes yes okay so when i got into when i got into trouble uh you know, this was a novel idea. I'd heard about enzymes. We kind of learned about it. They brushed over. They said, yeah, you need enzymes to digest all your food. And I thought, well, what, what is that? And, you know, it never really hit home with me. And then when I met my, my mentor, Dr. O'Brien, he says, wait, you don't have enough energy. And keep in mind, I was sick. I was tired. I was bloated. I wasn't feeling good. I, I mean, I'd lost my, my physical vitality and also the cause from both an internal and a cosmetic thing. And he said, what do you need to do? He says, number one, you got a whole bunch of undigested food and you got to get out. You got to start digesting this food, start taking these enzymes and clearing it out. And boy, uh, that was shocking because I developed a new relationship with the bathroom real quick. I didn't realize that I was building up a whole bunch of food in my body that was not digested. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, recently, <clears throat> you know, as 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 we learn more uh, every day, you know, we always, you know, as as healthcare practitioners, we, um, you know, start implementing that into our own lives and trying it out and testing it. And I will say that, you know, enzymes were a big part of my life when I first started implementing them because, you know, I was finding that I was having a lot of um a, a lot of foods that my body just it just didn't sit well with me and um you know and then you look at you know different enzymes are for digesting different types of foods and and um you know when i started taking enzymes i uh, a lot of the you know bloating i would get from different foods and a lot of the um uncomfortable feeling that i'd get uh from eating them all started to go away and i started to be able to eat a lot of foods that i couldn't eat just from taking enzymes alone now there's a lot of other issues, which I'm sure we'll get into, um, when it comes to the gut and then a lot of other things that your gut might need, but enzymes certainly is a pretty big part of it. It really is. And I think we're all familiar with people who don't have the ability to digest milk. So they've become lactose intolerant. There's a sugar that's involved with, and now we're seeing, uh, rampant in the diet community as people who have become gluten intolerant. In other words, they're not able to – and so you have to realize is that an enzyme, it, there's enzymes that will break down gluten. There's enzymes that will break down lactose. There's enzymes that will break down protein. There's enzymes that will break down carbohydrates and, and fats and all those things. And the big three, of course, is you know protein, fats, and carbohydrates. Those are the big three. Mm -hmm. Where people first start running into problem primarily is the inability to digest proteins and of course yes. in North America we have a very high protein diet and of course mm -hmm. those proteins if not digested properly 
that's what leads to all sorts of digestive distress and you know undigested protein leads to a host of of illnesses down the road right and you know i had a patient who couldn't digest proteins you know they'd go eat a steak and their stomach would be just totally a mess over it they'd eat chicken their their stomach would be a mess um they'd eat dairy their stomach everything everything affected them and um you know once again you there's a million things involved with how the gut functions but enzymes was a very simple fix to many of these issues that they were facing they hadn't been able to eat dairy in years and then um once again uh trying just simply an enzyme change that and you know i explained to him once again like you mentioned that uh um if you don't have the enzyme that digests dairy then you can't digest it you know it's going to sit in your stomach it's gonna it's gonna basically like ferment and you know cause bloating and all kinds of issues so uh, enzymes definitely play a huge role in the overall health of the gut yeah and i think uh, for most people once they've in you know there's a wide variance uh, of enzymes out there i think a lot of people will hear about enzymes and they'll kind of rush off to their local whole foods or their local grocery store and, and what happens is they walk to the shelf and now they see, okay, there's 15 or 20 different brands of enzymes all claiming that they're the best. Um, some are $10 a bottle and some are $150 a bottle. And they're like, well, what's the difference? It all looks the same. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a caveat to enzymes and that you want to make sure that you're using a high quality enzyme, usually plant-based. Ideally, it's cultured. And what culture means, it's a, it's a fermentation process and an extraction process that takes about six weeks to make a much more potent enzyme formulation. You want to make sure that it has a good amount of protease, which is going to be more expensive than any of the other uh, digestive enzymes that are out there. You want to have some amylase and you want to have some lipase inside of that. And you want to make sure that it's a plant-based because it's been proven that plant-based enzymes tend to work over a wider pH range. Like I think it's from 2 to 12 as opposed to animal-based enzymes that only work in a very narrow pH band because your your pH changes throughout the entire digestive process. So a, a real high-quality enzyme is going to cost you a bit more, but it's going to get the job done. And one of the things I always said is there's nothing more expensive than an enzyme or than a health product that doesn't work. Because you've wasted all the money on it. Right. Yeah. And then you get to go spend the money again on the high quality one. And I see people do that. That's probably one of the main things that, you know, just irritates me when people come in and work with me is just they've been they've spent all the money on the cheapest stuff. And and then now we're spending it for a second time. So if you're going to do it, do it right. So then what is the uh, next step? So we talked about enzymes with the gut. What's some of the next big issues that we're facing as far as gut health that we need to address? Well, and again, we're going into that whole digestive system and, and this, the second phase, if you go to that digestive process we outlined, is hydrochloric acid. So HCL, as it's often distinguished by, if you look in if a store brand or whatever, is, is something that your body produces. And in order to produce enough HCL, number one, you need to be hydrated. What is, although, you know, you drink water and you probably want neutral to alkaline if you're drinking water. The interesting thing is, is you need water in the body to actually produce hydrochloric acid. Now, hydrochloric acid has two distinct functions. One, it serves as a disinfectant. In other words, kill parasites, kills bacteria, it kills any pathogens that could come inside the body, and it's part of our protection mechanism that our bodies have designed in order to protect us from these pathogens that can cause all sorts of problems. A lot of people have have traveled 
maybe to other countries and picked up bugs or bacteria or parasites or whatever from the food that they were eating because they didn't have enough hydrochloric acid to actually kill off these bugs. And, um, and you know, they, they made into our systems and can wreak all kinds of havoc, as many people have discovered. The other part of hydrochloric acid is to also assist in the changing of the pH and to facilitate the shifts in the uh, in the in the enzymatic structure. So if you look at uh, let's look at the protease is really simple. Protease is going to go through as the pH changes in your intestinal tract. It's going to go from let's say seven to six to five to four to three to eventually around to around two in that process and different amino acids are broken off at different pieces in that so if you're looking at an enzyme you're looking at a 6 a 4.5 and a 3.0 will handle all the ranges that should those should be in your enzyme but you need to have enough hydrochloric acid so you create that shift in ph and that you block off those pathogens now here's another thing that most people don't know and that is acid reflux is not caused by too much acid it's caused from too little acid because how the body works is when the pH or the acid builds up in the intestinal tract high enough, there's a little uh, sphincter at the top of the esophagus, we call the esophageal sphincter, that closes in result to that pH. And that keeps the acid from popping up into the esophagus. If you're not producing enough hydrochloric acid, what happens is that acid splashes up and starts burning the esophagus and gives the t- traditional things of heartburn or acid reflux. And these things left on check uh, can lead to very serious conditions like esophageal cancer. And so what the medical industry has done is they say, oh, you got acid reflux. We're going to give you some proton pumps. And if you look at the it, which reduces acid. But if you look at that, they're only supposed to be used for four to six weeks. And you need to have something else. Yet I've no, met people who have been on these for years and and, de- and developing further digestive complications because they don't have enough hydrochloric acid in their body. And a common example of this would be Tums. Is that what you're thinking? That's a classic example. Okay. Is a, we're just going to add calcium to the mix, basically. Okay. But if you're getting into more serious ones, uh, when you get like a acid reflux, the proton pump prescription medication. And I think we got about a quarter of the population now that is on some sort of a, a prescription medication for digestion. Uh, these things have serious consequences and side effects if left for uh, an extended period of time. And the research says four to six weeks. That's all you need to be on it. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because when it comes to a lot of the medications around digestive issues, like there's, I mean, they give a lot of medications for them, but many of them are not um, sufficient for uh, solving any issue at all. You know, so for instance, like, you know, people people who come to me who have Crohn's and they'll be on a whole slew of different medications. Well, the fact is there is no medication that heals or, or changes anything with Crohn's. Um, so, you know, I see it all the time where people on digestive uh, uh, or medications for digestive issues. But once again, they're finding they're finding no result with that. It's just more of something to cover up some of the symptoms and, and get them through their day. I mean, it, can you agree on that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think what people have to understand, and I, I, don't, I certainly don't want to throw the medical industry under the bus. I have a lot of friends who are medical professionals and doctors, and, and I respect what they're doing. The, you have to realize is they're the last line of defense, and their job is not to educate people about their diet or their lifestyle. They don't have the training in that, and they're not. And legally, they can't provide that information. 
what they do is they assess where the client is at and they try to give them something to alleviate the symptoms of their disease or their dysfunction. And if that doesn't work, they're going to send them over to something that is more excessive, whether that is uh, surgery, whether that is a radiation or chemotherapy treatment or some other, you know, dialysis, if that was situated, like there's, that's kind of like the end game that ends up in the medical industry. So they're the last line of defense when we've make, we've made, um, damaging choices with our lifestyles and so when it comes to these gut issues you know you want to be thinking when you're going to heal these things or reverse them you want to be thinking okay you know have i tried enzymes have i tried probiotics have i tried you know some different gut healing formulas and you know even i talk about fasting a lot wade um you know so these this is this should be your your first your first go-to and then from there going to you know, the, the medication or the surgery, if that all fails you, but you know, you don't want to go like, you know, straight to the, the, the most, you know, uh, invasive intervention right off the bat. Yeah. And I think that's a, you know, and, and obviously your listeners are listening to your show. They're probably already on that kind of train to begin with, <laughs> you know, so we're kind of singing to the choir. But as a general mission, it's been my mission to kind of educate the public at large to recognize that our doctors are the last line, medical doctors, the medical industry is the last line of defense, and they do a great job on that. But health and optimal health and high performance, that is a prerogative and a priority for us as individuals, and you need people on the more holistic side of the health paradigm to help guide you in that direction, and that's why, obviously, you provide the information that you do to get out there to let people know, hey, what do I need to do? Right. Yeah. What steps, what steps do you need to take? And, and there's so many things that can be done. I mean, I've worked with people and, and I'm sure you've seen similar um, results, but you just start working with people and you just start giving the body what it actually needs to function. So many people are having issues because they don't have some of the basic raw materials for their gut and their digestion to actually work properly because they've done the wrong thing for so long and you know in their defense they didn't know any better i mean you've you've been in you've been in that position i've been in that position so there's no uh you know it's not like we're born with this knowledge and so um you know taking the necessary steps the information you get from this show and the information you get from some of our other shows and some of the information wade teaches uh, and I teach, you know, it, this this is the type of thing where you educate yourself and you really take control of your health um, by implementing these strategies. And this is how you, you know, really heal some of these uh, digestive conditions that are coming out today. Absolutely. And, uh, and that's why we're here. And, and I love talking about this. And, and that's that's so true. Um, oftentimes we don't discover these things until we hit a challenge or we hit a crisis and there's always, that's always the uh, the gold lining. So if you're listening today and you're in some sort of digestive crisis, there's an opportunity there because if you can correct it, if you go in there and start applying some of these principles and, and, and putting these into place in your lifestyle, it turns around and may prevent you from a more serious condition down the road. And that's the gift of every crisis. Absolutely. So right now we, we talked about enzymes, how they're important, um, balancing uh, the hydrochloric acid. What's what's next next step here? Well, the final source is going to be your probiotic levels. And what's interesting is, you know, we had an amazing development in the last, uh, I guess, 70 or 80 years. And that was the development of antibiotics. And it was a revolution. Prior to antibiotics, 
you got a, a serious wound, a gunshot wound, a knife wound, or an infection or something like that. There was no treatment for it, and oftentimes people died. And if you look at the population explosion worldwide, it's probably the most correlated component to that would be antibiotics. However, um, antibiotic prescriptions unchecked, now they treat, they give antibiotics for everything. And what we've developed is we've weakened what's called our microbiome, the, the natural bacteria inside our body. And we've also um, created a, a kind of a culture that we think we can solve things with antibiotics. Antibiotics means anti-life. Probiotics means pro-life. And inside our digestive system, there is an estimation of somewhere between 300 and 500 strains of various bacteria cultures. And for simple layman terms, we could say 10% of these are good bacteria, 10% of these I would say would be considered bad bacteria, and 80% we could call opportunists. In other words, they will either grow and expand based on the environmental conditions, our diets, our stress levels. And you know, stress level is a big factor, stress, caffeine, um, traveling, uh, food choices that we make, all of these things can contribute to how good bacteria or bad bacteria are growing inside our intestinal tract. Now, what, let's talk about the good guys. The good guys are bacteria strains that are essential in number one, uh, fighting off invaders, that is bacteria that we don't wanna have inside our bodies or other pathogens. And they also help us break down the final components of our food and transport that to our cells where we need it. And if we have that, and most people have taken antibiotics, will notice oh, oftentimes when you, you look at the side effects of antibiotics, it's nausea, stomach issues, bloating and stuff. And that's because it's killing – an antibiotic doesn't make any – it's like dropping a bomb inside your intestinal tract. It kills the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. And after a course of antibiotics – we need to start cultivating good probiotics inside our body. We need to start introducing, whether it's fermented foods, you know, you know, kimchi or sauerkraut or things like that, kefirs, all those type of things that are great for adding uh, good bacteria inside our body. But oftentimes those aren't sufficient enough or we're getting sources that might have been pasteurized or we're getting bacteria that may not be what our bodies need. So over the last, you know, 20 years, 30 years, there's been an extensive amount, and particularly in the last five or 10, because digestive issues are so rampant, is there's been a lot of research going into this microbiome and how the bacteria work with our bodies. And so what most people in the health, I, I actually, I don't know a person in who's living at the high levels of health. I don't know one who is not supplementing their diet with probiotics on a daily basis. Uh, because they understand that we need to reintroduce these good guys back into our system to fight off the bad guys and to fight off the foreign invaders. If we were eating our food in our natural state, if we were eating the grass as it is or vegetables as they were or, or meat as we, you know, like the other animals and things, we'd be getting good bacteria inside that, but we're getting, we're not. We're cooking all that stuff and, and now we're exposing ourselves to uh, other problems. Yeah, and it's really interesting because <clears throat> I saw this statistic, and it's actually a research-driven statistic. It wasn't just like made up. I, and I wish I had the um, had it in front of me right now, but I believe it was ninety percent of antibiotics are actually prescribed for viral conditions, meaning that you're be, you're being given a antibiotic, and it is going to do nothing for the condition that you're facing, but your doctor gave it to you. And um, I'll tell you, that's one of the biggest frustrations in in. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, saying, you know, any of these things are even regarding the gastrointestinal tract, you know, some of the statements I made. 
it's not to throw rocks at the medical community. It's more to throw rocks at, you know, um, you know, improperly prescribed uh, medicine or um, improper treatment protocols. Um, but yeah, I mean, if 90% of antibiotics are being given for viral conditions, and then, you know, that means that the antibiotics are doing nothing for the individual. And then from there, um, it's actually doing a lot of harm to the individual. Cause like you said, it's like dropping a, dropping the A-bomb in the, uh, intestinal tract to kill everything. And so, you know, that's really frustrating, um, for me to see. Uh, because I see patients come in all the time and they'll have a condition. They went to their, their doctor and then from there they said, well, he put me on an antibiotic and I'm sitting there going, why? <laughs> like, why did they do that? You know what I mean? Like that, that's not going to do anything for it. But in order to combat that, like you said, uh, a good, strong probiotic and it, it is good. And one of the things that I get really often and now, Wade, the other thing too, is that when I work with a lot of people, you know, I, and I wish in, in the perfect world people had this knowledge, you know, that maybe that you and I have or maybe they've actually seeked it out. But in many cases, people just have – they're just really um, far from having this type of information at all. I mean I – for instance, you know, you talk about high level of health, needing to take a probiotic. I mean high level of health, I always say you need to be taking some of the basic, basic daily nutrients like a fish oil and some, you know – broad spectrum multivitamin and mineral and I have a lot of people who aren't doing things like that but then you know when I recommend a probiotic they're like okay well what do I do that for like you know maybe like a week or something and I'm like um no you know you could benefit from taking that every day oh so maybe like I'm like 30 days like a month no I'm talking like every day you know like 365 days a year <laughs> and so you know like a lot of people are just so far from the understanding of that's what you really need in order to oh once again the basic building blocks of the body and that's what you need on a daily basis for health yeah absolutely we're, we're actually on the same uh same thread here because and as you know we get to we're fortunate enough we get to hang around with people all the time who have made this their life's passion. And as you said, virtually all of them are taking enzymes, virtually all of them taking probiotics, virtually all of them are taking vitamins and minerals. Most are all of them are taking essential fatty acids. Uh, you know, success leads clues. And, and, and these things, because we've stripped them essentially out of our modern diets, our modern things, we have to have them if we want to live at the highest levels of performance and the highest levels of health and vitality and we want to avoid having sickness and disease. They're non-negotiables if that's the standard that a person wants to live at. And it's not once in a while, it's every single day. Right. And, um, you know, I have people tell me, well, I eat pretty good, you know, so why would I take a multivitamin? And I'm, <laughs> and just once again, it's like, look, you got to understand our food doesn't have the mineral content, the vitamin content it used to. Our foods don't have the probiotic content that they used to. And um, you just, in order, and then not to mention, we're living in a, an environment which essentially is not suitable for human beings. And what I mean by that, sleep deprived, chronic stress, chronic bad food, you know, chronic uh, um, anxiety, you know, you name it. This is the environment that the average American is living in. And um, that is not a environment that is congruent for health in the human body. The, um, you know, in mid medieval Europe, the Black Plague killed 30 million people. And today, 80% of the 
industrialized world is dying of chronic disease. That's a little clue that, you know, the, the environments that people aren't living in or that are they are living in is not suitable for health. Very well said. Very well said. Um, so circling around back on our probiotics, because uh, <laughs> I know we're both very passionate about this. I want to discuss this a little bit deeper because, you know, these inserting these good bacteria and people go, well, what kind of bacteria do I have? Should I get yogurt? Um, should I get, uh, you know, uh, you know, an acidophilus or should I have this other strain that has 52 different bacteria cultures in it? Because everybody thinks if I have more, it's better, particularly in America. America has a great more is better attitude, which I love, but uh, it's not always the case. <laughs> and. That is, people have to understand there's two different types of bacteria inside your body. There's transient strains and implant strains. An implant or a, a strain that colonizes would actually exist in your digestive tract and, and, and cultivate and required in other processes. And there are all kinds of different ones that are out there. We named a couple that were quite popular. There's also a transient strain of probiotics. And these are bacteria that kind of come in and go out and oftentimes will fight off invaders or, or clean out the system or do specific functions. And one of the things that we looked at, because the microbiome is always changing. It's very complicated if you get into that. And the, the microbiome, by what I mean, is that the bacteria culture or environment that is going on in everybody's intestinal tracts. The average person has somewhere between... Um, five and 10 pounds of bacteria inside their body. There's more bacteria in your body than there are cells in the body. Take that. It's kind of shocking when you know that. But the reality is, is how do you go in and how do you go in and alter that in a way that's positive and let the cultivation of the, the bacteria that is normally in there grow and take out the bad ones? And we studied that extensively, as did my mentor, Dr. O'Brien, who uh, helped develop and cultivate a particular type of transient strain of probiotics. It was based on the L plantarum strain. And what he did is he put it through a, a mutation process. Most of us are familiar with uh, the problems of hospitals nowadays, which is these uh, bacterial resistant uh, or antibiotic resistant bacteria in hospitals. You've heard of those? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very common and it's, it's, it's not only in hospitals, you know, it's just people are starting to become, um, um, bacterial uh, resistant just because they've been on so many antibiotics. I mean, I've actually heard too that um, it's happening in animals a lot and where they're finding that animals are getting problems that because they're giving animals so many uh, antibiotics that they're also becoming um, uh, uh, resistant to it as well. Yeah. And keep in mind, if you're eating those animals, you're eating the antibiotics with them. So, um, so, the, so the interesting thing is with what to do and what he went out and did and, and, and helped cultivate was taking looking at these aggressive strains of, of bad bacteria or, or, or resistant strains and said, well, how do I make a super bacteria? How do I make a, a probiotic that has extremely powerful capabilities that exceed what we might normally find because we need to deal with the modern world as it is today? And so we took an L plantarum strain and put it through a, a patented mutated uh, mutation process that made what we call uh, a super bacteria. It goes through the entire body. It's and this is the U.S. patent claims: antiviral, antiretroviral. It's protolytic. That means it digests protein, serves as a screen, screening agent in pharmaceuticals, and has the ability to shrink tumors. That's pretty aggressive. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what's on the U.S. patent. So I don't want to make any claims. But now we're at a stage where we're starting to cultivate. Uh, probiotics that can handle 
the stressors of our society today. And uh, we've been using that as a, as a methodology to, number one, help recondition people from compromised digestive systems and also as an adjunct to rebuild people either during or after serious medical intervention in your lives. And it's one of the reasons we've developed a cult following because we're one of the few companies that actually looks at health from that very, very high level aggressive nature of how we really go after it based on the conditions of the world today. Well, that's very cool. It's very cool. Yeah, and that's the important thing is not all, whether it's probiotics, enzymes, whatever the case is, they're not all created equally. So you definitely need to, um, you know, get them from a trusted resource and it's usually not walmart just to drop a little hint um <laughs> but but uh yeah absolutely i agree with you and um you know one of the other things i want to mention too just because we're on this topic and you mentioned the microbiome is that uh it's just a quick side note is that the antibacterials are also really uh terrible for you now the fda uh, i think it was the fda who came out and finally you know probably 20 years late to the party, warned people that you shouldn't be using a whole bunch of antibacterials all the time because it's actually killing this microbiome. And um, Wade, there's this company that um, we use that has a, uh, a microbiome colonizer for your skin, and it's a lotion that's a, a probiotic lotion, basically. And uh, so that's very cool. We have people using that and seeing some pretty good results with skin conditions as well. So um, those are a little side note while we're on the topic of bacteria. So if you need any more information on Wade, you can go ahead and check out uh, some of his other videos and content that he puts out. Check out his website. And other than that, Wade, once again, we appreciate having you on the show. And um, certainly uh, thank you for all the value added. Thanks so much, Dr. Nick. Really, really appreciate being here. And for all your listeners, uh, it's just wonderful to, to take those chance to, to go out there Practice the principles that Dr. Nitt talks about, and you'll be pleasantly surprised of how well and how high the quality of your life can really grow. For more information, head over to newvisionexcel.com. There you can find a whole archive full of blog posts written by Dr. Zorowski. You can find our old podcast episodes, which include our show notes, a lot of helpful tips there. But if you're ready for a full body transformation, then the Thrive program is for you. You want to click on the programs tab and that's where you can get started. If you want more information to multiply your health and simplify your lifestyle, visit our website at excelpodcast.com. Until next time, have an outstanding day.